Okay, anyone want to lay down uh, an intro? Intro? Well, that's, that's scary. I, someone else do it, because i got to go pee. That's the intro right there. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got two guests today for the first time. Uh, we got, we got, well, Blake is, so He's Blake, there. you always have a place here, <laughs> and that place will be guest as long as you're still writing JavaScript. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Blake Johnson's back with us, and we have Chris Hobbs back again. You guys are both uh, return, you're veterans at this point. I'll alumni. What did you guys talk about last time you were here? Um, we were kind of... It was everywhere. We talked about the uh, Django changes, like the organizational changes. Oh, we yeah, talked a little yeah. bit about um, uh, bad phone calls and... Oh, yeah. We had that, yeah. that call that Tyrell got. The We were going to... Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> they're going to... Um, have you arrested? Yeah. Have me arrested for uh, whatever it was. I don't I even remember. I've yeah. banished it from memory. <laughs> Didn't know you were a criminal. Yeah, it's he didn't know, either. It's it, you know the outlaw life. It's kind of in my blood. Okay, that's yeah. part of, part of the gimmick. That's part of how I get you. Is, yeah. is you also didn't know you were a criminal? It's, it's yeah. why I shaved my mustache so they won't find me now. Mm, yeah. Right, good it's disguise. Good place. Yeah, and we talked also when you were here last time about um, like pen testing. Yeah, a little and bit just general security stuff, mm-hmm. which is what Blake said. Like, oh man, we need to get Hobbs on here and talk security stuff. And I was like, oh, he, he already came once and did it. Uh, so he, well, here he is again. We brought you yeah. back, and and I think it'd be fun to talk about um, just like general web app security stuff mm-hmm. if you guys are down for it. Yeah, man, let's do it. My head's been in this world. Uh, my, you got your book? Oh, there it is. The book. Nice. Get that certificate. Yeah, I'll be over here reading. <laughs> <laughs> I've, my, my head's been in it because we're like in the very early phases of um, developing a managed service here at Lofty for um, managed app, app sec. So at application level security for container-based workloads specifically. Um, and so I've been kind of experimenting around with this, the architecture that's actually written on the whiteboard in here. Um, using some some cool tools, and so and I'm not a I'm not like a security expert by any means, um, but it's something that I've always found fascinating and interesting. And like the the most important things in my mind are you know like following best best practices and and using good tools um, and just knowing when and how to apply them. Yep. So I've been I've been learning a bunch, but I don't know I don't know that much. But I don't know like we we just started off roundtable. I'm curious what Blake you mm-hmm. guys over at RevUnit. Like what is what is security like in your app dev process? Yeah, so uh, most of our application development starts from a template that we have internally. So if it's a if it's an API or whatever or a React app, and we try to keep up with like the latest best practices for whatever the you know you don't want to like you use SSL and you. Um, protect against injection and stuff like that, and um, so we we just have those in place from the beginning, so people can't leave them out, right? Um, and that's like uh, that's pretty much the extent of it. To be and that's, that's a template, like at the at the code level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like yeah. You've like, got a template. Like you start a project, project. You start a project. You use this first. Got it. Um, and then I, about every three or four months, we go back and. Look at yeah. look at how things are kind of going uh, in the ecosystem and adjust it as necessary. We're probably not doing enough because um, where there's a where there's a will, there's a way. I feel sure. like. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, well, the point of security is not not to make things impenetrable, to make it a big enough pain in the ass that it, right. it's not worth the reward. Right? Yeah, right. So. Yeah, um, and mo- and like to be frank, make most of our stuff even is. Um, internal for companies, a lot of it's not externally facing, right? Uh, so, you know that reduces a large portion of the risk, but uh, still, you know, someone gets upset at a company or whatever if they have the skills. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That that 
like security is still a factor there, but the nature of security changes mm-hmm. because I've, I've, I've known like, you just have to think about things differently because it's assumed everyone will have access to it within the internal network. But then like, what are the considerations of, like you, you said, a, a, a bad actor of a disgruntled employee or somebody who's just like, I'm going to post nudes to my internal company's social media channel. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. cause that stuff happens cause people are dumb. And you have so, like, like you have governance problems on employee turnover, but yeah. also if you like, and and this is something that Chris and Tyrell probably both are, are a little closer to. If you if you kind of blindly assume that people internal to the organization can be trusted, then you've opened up a really big vector for social engineering. Well, especially mm. if if internal does not mean that uh, it's connected to or it's not connected to the internet, right? Right. Like a lot of internal applications are hosted on AWS. So, right. Uh, I'm just, I'm just so trying to kill your mic. Why you adjust your cable? There. <laughs> that's the sound of a microphone that's not quite at the height. And I, I did it, and and I'm yeah. reaching over here at the board, and I and I killed uh, I killed Blake's microphone. I did the wrong one, so <laughs> I didn't hear the sound going down. But, but yeah, totally. If it's hosted on a public service, then it might as well be considered external, because I mean, a, mm-hmm. a, a password is is not a lot of protection. So. Yep. Right. Yep, for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, that's definitely like as things increasingly move to the cloud, like in and off of internal networks, like that's definitely a, a, a bigger consideration because yeah, everything's connected. Everybody wants to be able to connect to all of the company stuff from anywhere, right? But mm-hmm. it, yeah, that requires exposure to to new to vectors that wouldn't be there if it's only on the intranet. Only when you're inside on their network, kind of stuff. On the mainframe, that's yep. when a VPN comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely got to use mm-hmm. that VPN. So has it? I mean, like, has anybody here worked for an organization that went through like a breach, like a known breach, mm-hmm. um, and kind of experienced the downside to that, or built an app that was? I've breached? had clients who've gone through breaches, but I've never directly worked for anybody. You probably get a lot of clients come to you because they've had yeah. a breach, right? Some of them have, have been because of that, yeah. So they're like kind of reacting to that. So what's your what's your guys' role typically in that? Are you, do they come to you and they're like, how can we make this better? And you guys consult them? Or? Well, it depends. Uh, if, you know, if, are we talking about code or are we talking about an organization? Because if we're talking about code, then we first go in and, and just go line by line through the code, right? Check for things like, are you sanitizing or validating your inputs? Mm-hmm. Or, or even something as simple as running static analysis against the code, right? Mm-hmm. I think in Python, you've got Bandit uh, to do that. Something in like that. Ruby, you've got like Beeman and Flay and Flog. And then JavaScript, there's um, DeepScan and Node.js scan. And I don't know what else. I'm trying to think of other languages that people listening to this might use. But there's there's just hundreds of these static analysis tools. So if they're coming to us for code, you know, we run static analysis first, uh, then we go through line by line, uh, make sure they're using best practices. And then the next step from that, if, if it's a hosted service, we, we do our best to um, analyze their configuration, make sure that that's safe, make sure the SSL is working, whatever else. If it is an organization that has been physically attacked and they don't produce a product, if it's even not physically attacked, but if they've had uh, uh, internal breaches or border breaches or something like that, uh, we first identify, if we can, where the breach came from, uh, and then try to find similar holes in the organization. Because if there's one, there's probably multiples. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it so, kind of comes from bad practice and, mm-hmm. and bad habit culture, and, yeah, yeah, almost, yeah. Or, or at least like methodologies. It's mm-hmm. a very, very fine line between. Um, Convenience and security, and that's where 90%, uh, at least in my experience with my clients, 90% of the issues have come from is people are, oh, well, I, you know, I don't want to plug in two-factor authentication. Why do I have to hit a button and type a number? I don't want to, um, I don't know, I don't want to unlock the door, you know, so I'll just prop it open. Or, um, you know, I don't want to run static analysis against my code because it's one more step and then it's going to find something and I have to fix it. That's another important thing. Yeah. A lot of times people get frustrated because why do we hire him? He's going to find something. Well, that's why we hire him, right? Yeah. You know, and so, <laughs> yeah. Because they don't want to go back and fix it. And especially in cases like uh, something was very difficult to write. Mm. And then you go in and you find a vulnerability in the code. 
the developer gets very upset oftentimes because they take it as a personal affront or or um, like they didn't know what they were doing exactly. or doing a bad job yeah. or mm-hmm. they're frustrated that they put that much work into it mm-hmm. and now we have to go back and do more yeah right we had a big i mean this is not to do with security but with like um stability we had a big problem when i was at pbs the team that i was on um it's the reason why I like went and did a talk at DjangoCon on fast unit tests. Um, it was my first conference talk. And then all came from, we had this unit test suite that took like three hours to run. And people hated it. Um, and the solution that like our team came with was like, well, let's go like apply engineering skill to the test suite to make it more efficient. Um, because ultimately, the problem wasn't anything to do with like the quality of the test. The tests were good. They just took a long time. The problem was at 4.30 on a Friday, when a developer was about to commit a feature, they wouldn't run the test. Because it's like, I'm not going to fucking sit here for three hours. Right. I just changed one thing, right? Uh, and ultimately, what that meant was people weren't using the tests, and so more, more shit was being caught in like staging deploys and things like that. So we tried to and we were trying to push that back down to the dev environment to like fix your shit mm-hmm. before you push it up to everyone else. And ultimately, the solution was like, we have to do something that that makes it go faster and easier to use. So anything that anything that like decreases someone avoiding it, right, yeah. is, is usually a good thing. Again, not security related, but the problem was just like people weren't using the tools, and the kind of fear was oh, some stupid unit test is going to break. It's going to take three hours for me to catch it. And then it's going to be some, you know, linter or something like that. And I'm, I'm going to go, it's going to keep me here all night. And so we had a problem with that. But at the same time, you know, we had good unit tests. Well, that, and that translates, oh, <laughs> that, I was going to say that translates easily to security because if you make it too complicated, people aren't going to use it. And that's, yeah. that's where you get the vulnerabilities at the people level. Because if, if you, you have to find that balance between inconveniencing pe- people uh, but keeping it secure because you know the, there are places with like really strict password uh, reset po- protocols where it's like every month you reset your password. Well, guess what? People just you're append g- the number three to. They're the going to append four, something, yeah. or they're going to write it down and have it on a post-it note under yeah. their keyboard because you've made them change their password once a month. Like well, there's, they're going to find a way to make it easy, mm-hmm. and that makes it more uh, attackable. That sort of thing is why nobody encrypts their email. Right, yeah. GPG is yeah, kind GPG of a is, giant pain to yep, use. It's, it's the such best a pain, thing we've but got. It's really, but nobody uses it because managing keys, managing trust, it's difficult. Yeah, and there's no good way to do that. I think it was a uh, Keybox, Keystore, Key something dot io uh, tried to make identity management really easy and Keybase. Key that's it. Yeah. Um, and they didn't didn't really get traction. So mm. yeah, prime example well, and of like, things being mm. difficult. Well, and, and I use mail, like I use Mac mail for my home PC and the, the, um, I always get it backwards, PGP or uh, GPG cause they're both products, but it's PGP. Um, uh, the plugin for that, it, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, not shareware. So like to be able to use that on my, on my Mac mail, I have to pay. And so it's like, that's a double barrier to entry. I've got it all installed and configured, and I'm pretty sure the cost is negligible, but every time I open my mail client, I'm reminded like, oh, you didn't pay me the money to use this tool to have secure email. You better, you, you can open secured emails, but you can't send anymore until you pay me. It's like, dude, you, you just hijack my email. What are you doing? It feels and, like protection money at right, that Right, exactly. Point, like yeah. I, feel, I feel like I'm being like shaken down every time I open my email. I'm just like, well, then I'm just not going to use PGP right now in my, in my email client. And that's, that's the opposite of what you want for security. You want that to be easy. You want it to be a low barrier of entry, which PGP never really was. But when you add cost on top of that, like you're adding another layer that people aren't going to go through to stay secure. You know, I asked a kind of a loaded question earlier of like who's worked for an org that's been compromised because the answer is probably all of us. Because we all have, we all hold a mirror up in front of ourselves. Yeah, well, because like the. I was supposed to be a joke. Sorry, that got, <laughs> got so serious. Yeah, I got weird. That was a terrible joke. I'm sorry. You're staring into your monitor and and see yourself staring uh, back. Black, at your you. black mirror, a, a conduit yeah. to enlightenment. Um, <laughs> me, no, but like the 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 reality is, um, security like like detecting a breach is also a portion of it, right? Yeah. Because um, the there's a 
false sense of security, which is I followed all best practices and, you know, I haven't found my shit posted on WikiLeaks. Therefore, I think we did a good job because there's there's more than just like intrusion prevention, but then there's also detection. Yeah, it's what, pretty difficult. I've I've been I've had clients in the past where I've been in their networks uh, for three four weeks before anybody knew what was going on, and in some cases they had no idea. Right. So you know, and you think, oh, look at your logs or or watch your traffic, but now you can do things like. Um, make your traffic look like DNS traffic right. or uh, wipe out people's logs or save a copy of the logs and replace the logs with uh, replace the logs you generated with a copy of their old logs or, or whatever. There's all these techniques to hide yourself. So I've been playing with this tool called Falco, which is pretty... Have you messed with Falco before? No, I haven't. It's, um, it's, it's made by a company called Sysdig, which is the organization behind the tool Sysdig, which is like a, a syslog scanner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really neat and it works really well. It does stuff at the host level, but it works really well for container-based workloads. You can run it as a Docker container, and it can look at the communication in, at at this go, by going through syslog, um, kind of identify things that are happening within certain with other containers on the system. And you can basically use it. It comes with a ton of rules, um, like thousands of rules, and you can configure it however you want. But essentially. You can configure it to have rules that describe sort of business as usual uh, for this host, and anything that deviates that it's it's behaviorally driven, and it just emits alerts for you to do whatever you need Sounds to do. Sounds a little it. bit like Tripwire. Yeah, Tripwire is is like um, from what I understood, like a hosted kind of as a service version of that. Mm, they have, no. Do they have an open Tripwire source runs version? on the machine, uh, and it it takes a. Um, Takes a snapshot. It, it, there may be more than one tripwire, but the one sure. I'm familiar with uh, takes a uh, a snapshot of all of the files and things that are on the system and periodically checks to see if any of them have changed. Uh, and it has some sort of rootkit hunting capabilities as well. So what, yeah, Falco can do stuff like that. It also like it will tell you if um, it has certain projected directory trees on the system, like the temp directory. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it'll tell you if someone opens a temp file for writing. Yep. Um, which is a good indication, like if your app's using temp files to page like memory or something like that, that they're trying to inject some executable logic. Yep. Um, so it can tell you if like certain uh, files under the Etsy directory, like configuration, root protected files. Um, what's really cool is in my testing with it, one of the main things they'll do is it'll tell you if uh, if a shell is executed within a container with an attached terminal. Yeah, that's pretty. Which cool. is pretty yeah. sweet. Um, and so I've, I've been messing with that because the thing that we're thinking about building over here at Lofty is essentially managed intrusion detection, like a, a service for our customers um, in which we put some instrumentation, some automation on on their running workloads and kind of monitor. We receive those alerts of like, hey, a shell opened over here. And we, you know, hook that up to some APIs and basically like trigger up. If you're familiar with PagerDuty, yep. it's awesome. Trigger PagerDuty alert. It's that awesome does, unless you're in rotation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, like, so the initial rotation is like we drop the escalation policy would be like we drop a message in Slack that's like, hey, fuckers, someone opened a shell in production. Within five minutes, if you don't acknowledge it, like people's phones start ringing yeah. um, and, and things like that. And so Falco is just like one tool that we're looking at in that mix. But it is a, it's a pretty sweet tool. I'll link to it yeah. in the show notes. Um, and it's like so painless to set up. You just pull a Docker image and go. Um, but it's, it's pretty neat. And then there's you know, static analysis tools like you talked about. There's some cool ones for Docker, too, that I've yeah. been looking at. That'll just like pull an image. Static analysis is crucial, in my opinion. Uh, I think so. Simply because it's so easy to fall into a rut of writing the same code over and over. You know, we, we have these like mental patterns, right? And I don't even mean just design patterns, but we have these patterns that we follow. Right. And some of them may be bad practices and some of them are, are um, some real. of them are just really annoying. And they're you easy. Have that guy on your team, you know, well, they're easy to look over too. like a good example. And in, in, in I only bring up Python cause you guys use Python a lot, but like uh, the load function on YAML, Right. Uh, it it'll take anything. You can execute Python code with that. The same thing <laughs> happened with Ruby. Wasn't that like a huge deal so with you Rails? Use safe load. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Sure. There was there was, was, that, was that the one where where DHH came out and like gave this like it was it was a giant enormous. apology. He's yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I have failed you it was, all. It was remote. I was co- racing my car instead of mm-hmm. keeping up with security. Yeah. And here we are now. It I was it was remember. YAML configuration in Rails yeah. that that could remote code execution. Excellent. Because uh, as it as it evaluate it basically evaluated 
Yep. Um, Ruby code in YAML as it was inflating. Well, Python it. does that as well. If you just use load without load safe. If you is it load safe? Yeah, safe yeah, load, load, mm-hmm. load safe. Yeah. yeah, load safe is what you want because otherwise people can just toss some more Python in there and everybody's happy. That's fine. I love that <laughs> load versus load safe is is like to me it's like the products where you've just got like here's the original product and then here's like the nice version of the product. Like, look, why, do, why don't we just, can you not just sell the nice version yeah, now? Or, like, why, or, why, or, why do we still have the trash version? I, I understand. Like, it's just like, here's, here's, here's a high quality version of this product, which we should all, we all recognize we need to use. And then it's just like, oh, and here's like the, the dumpster fire Somebody version that you grew up is with. probably depending on that side. That's what I, I mean. That's what I was, I get, I get the, um, you wanting to maintain backward compatibility, right? So you, mm. you already put something out there, I assume is what yeah. happened. And someone's got an, someone's it's, already like using that. It's, it's a bad. major API. Oh, yeah, so you true. add, yeah. so you add in the next version and say, but it does seem like it should be, it should, it should like, fucking be. Why, why yeah. do you have unsafe? It should yeah. be load and load unsafe. <laughs> right. Like if exactly. you're going to have both make the unload and the show me what you got yeah. Like, there. yeah but you know you got to maintain apis backward unless you write javascript and then uh and then you move fast and break things right yeah fuck it all <laughs> uh, some people like to watch the world burn that's right uh, well actually asynchronously <laughs> you promise all at once oh. <laughs> let's talk about joke. facebook uh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sucks. Leave I'm, me alone. I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious. Chris's thoughts on all the Facebook privacy stuff. Are you as passionate about this as Tyrell does? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what's been said that, or what hasn't been said that I could say. I, I'm, I'm a huge. Uh, let me. I don't know how to say it. I don't like Facebook. We'll put it that way. I've not used <laughs> Yay, Facebook so for, far. Uh, yeah, for many years I've not <laughs> used it. Uh, and I think it's uh, overreach in a lot of what they do. Um, I think there's outright manipulation of people, and totally, uh, it's it's disgusting to me that people say they don't care. The the whole nothing to hide, nothing to fear. Right. Just because you have nothing to hide doesn't mean that somebody that has your best interest in mind doesn't have anything to hide. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I just don't like it, so I don't use it. But if other people want to use it, that, that that's their decision. I mean, it's kind of in in my family. You know, I'm. Big free software advocate, but I don't push that on my wife and son. They're right. capable of making their own decisions. You know, I offer it as an option, but if they want something fancy and proprietary, then go for it. And the same goes with Facebook. You know, I've told my wife, you know what they're doing. Uh, if you don't care, that's fine. Just keep that shit away from me. And, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I closed mine out um, a couple years ago, I guess. Yeah, you were, yeah. You were early on the... The yeah. Exodus, I yes, guess. I, I was. I, Tyrell's I recent. I'm took close. my zip file and and went home. I didn't even it. take a zip file. I just no. let him have it. And I try yeah. real hard not to use any centralized data service like that. I don't use Google if I can avoid. It. I mean, Google has my data regardless. Facebook has my shadow profiles, of course. Sure. You know, I can't use Tor all the time. Uh, right, and, right. And and I do use Amazon, Ta- but uh, just work in Tails. Just have a Tails. USB and work from that. Well, that doesn't work when I need to buy something from Amazon that I don't have to buy from Amazon. But yeah. um, at any rate, yeah, I, I don't know what to say other than I, I don't care for well, it. Well, I mean, I, that, that's that's the answer, right? Is is I, I was curious, and, and I figured that was the case, and I'm still like I've said several times, I'm close. You know, I run a fucking Facebook page for this podcast. <laughs> so the other day, I did it again. I went in there to the delete your Facebook, and I was like, how the f- am I going to maintain this? People follow us on Facebook. Well, and that's a problem. In some cases, it's hard to get out of. For example, mm-hmm. I have an Instagram account. The only reason I have one is to be able to see uh, pictures of my son at the school. At the school, yeah. Same. And, and yeah. it completely ignored me saying, you know, they have this form, can we put post pictures of your child online? I said, no. And they did it anyway. Yeah, they don't. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they don't respect and so, that. so, you know, mm-hmm. I... I that's the only reason I've got that. In fact, my profile says, uh, I'm here for my wife and son. Please consider whether you are using Instagram or whether Instagram is using you. And Sick uh, <laughs> burn. And yeah. the, the only <laughs> pictures of me are a couple of chopped up pictures where a human could look at that and go, oh, that's clearly Chris. Right. But a machine would have trouble with it. Right. So, yeah. We we have my my son just started going to uh, to a daycare preschool mm-hmm. and um, they have like a closed app. Mm-hmm. It's called Brightwheel. Okay, uh, and Brightwheel allows them to send updates to us like throughout the day, and I get like they can post photos to it, uh, which is a way for them to do kind of what uh, what what your son's school is doing, um, but like 
I'm showing pictures so for, for those of you listening it. at home. Well, you know what, what worries me about it a little bit is like, okay, it's, they're not using Instagram for this. It's not public. It's also using this app and who knows what fucking security it has. Right. Yeah. Um, or, or not that I'm, again, I'm not that really concerned because there's not a lot of personal data in there, but at the same time, Except for facial recognition. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I look at. And and like um, I can't think of a specific thing that bothers me, but the the concept of, you know, I don't really know and, and the idea of like, well, it's not a public facing system like Instagram, it's in this other closed thing doesn't really change that much. Except I just it's not in something closed, it's probably on Amazon. Right. And it's oh, not yeah, a matter sure. of if but when a breach occurs. Yeah. Right? I mean it yeah. got it got from some server in the cloud to my phone, right? So there is a mechanism by which this information is yep. retrieved. Right, it's, yeah. it's part of everything we do here in web yeah. development. We're we, we build really secure systems and then we attempt to poke one very small hole in it so that you can look at it, right? But like at, at some point or another mistakes happen and mm-hmm. and like you said security's it's the trade off between convenience right. you know but uh Blake's got a thought yeah so i want to go back to the unit test thing sorry oh, does, good, do does it. it usually take that is that common for it to take a really long time for your tests to run in Python? Do, no. Do JavaScript unit tests run asynchronously? Yeah, yeah. I they, assume yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course they do. It, it, it takes like 20 seconds. I know there's some build systems that do take a long time. One of my buddies, uh, let's, he works, we'll say he works for a media company, and we'll just leave it at that. Mm. I don't know if I have uh, the freedom to talk about that. At any rate. The Newport Times. Uh, no, no, no. It's a, it's, we'll say it's a, it's a media server. Okay. Um, mm. And their their build tests, uh, their build system, the tests take forever. And from what I understand, there's not a lot of code there. And I think where some of that probably comes from is maybe making external calls or yeah. mm, hitting right. a database. Oh yeah, for database. sure. So, for us, yeah. it was all database. Yeah. That was like ninety uh, percent okay. of the test speed reduction yeah. was database because that particular application was multi-tenant mm-hmm. um, and 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 multi-tenant with lots of like feature flagging right, per yeah. tenant, which meant that there was a ton of app configuration stored in the database. Yeah. So like in our test suites, you'd have like a, a test suite for some certain feature that needed to build out all of this like mm. configuration state in the database, run a test, and then it would like tear all that down, like roll back right, a yeah. transaction in the database, Ooh. and then, then go create 30 users in, in, a, in an org structure and all kinds of stuff like that. I bet you wish you had Docker Perm tables. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a totally different world. And yeah. the way we mm-hmm. fixed it was like we came up with more efficient ways to yeah. either avoid the database entirely. We used like the, the mock database library. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. the, the database is hot lava. That was the, the, yeah. the key point in that talk. Yeah. Uh, and I said that. I went. Um, I met a dude at the bar at PyCon or at DjangoCon that year, and he he asked, you know, like, hey, what's your what's your deal? And I was like, I'm I'm giving a talk on unit testing. He's like, cool, man, I'll be there. And then he gave me his card, and his card had his email address on it. It was Harry at ObeyTheTestingGoat.com. And I was oh, like, oh, nice. And so Harry was in the process of getting his O'Reilly book published on unit testing in Python, nice. which his animal that he got assigned was the goat. Uh, and so he came and sat on the front row. And I'm like, I'm just like a kid that had no idea. I I dove into making unit tests fast like two weeks before that. My boss was like, "You should submit a talk," you know, and uh, and he sat there and he listened through the whole thing and then he got up to the Q and A and was just like, "We were so diametrically opposed." He worked at Python anywhere and he said, "Our unit test suite takes twelve hours to run," and that's perfectly okay with them for whatever. I don't know the esoterics of why or how. Everyone's I got like giant spooked what? eyes looking at me across the table. Yeah. Why uh, are you I testing if it takes test. 12 hours? I, you Deploy know, the code, take a day off. Well, at the, at the time, you know... <laughs> I run um, my test all day long. I, yeah, I probably yeah, run over it and over and over again. Yeah, right? constantly, yeah. Yeah. At, at the time, the place where I was working, we weren't using CI. Mm. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm not but, using but CI. But where he was, they were. And so that's, that was his point, was like, yeah, I work on that feature, and then I go work on something else, and then, you know... 12 Even hours later, CI, I go though, jump back in. It doesn't make any yeah, sense right. because like, I used to have a test runner that would just run my shit constantly. As you right? change it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't do that anymore because right. I got sick of things popping up when I'm mm. putting in print debugs and stuff. Yeah. But, like, well, and, it, and, and you know, like maybe their unit test suite wasn't that well yeah. like pointed at unit. Maybe it was more functional tests or integration tests or something. And like they're a infrastructure as a service company, so maybe like shit hadn't spin up. I'm not totally sure why. But like his, when you read his test-driven development book, um, like 
I, I think he kind of outweighs the case for it. There's a whole chapter in that book dedicated to how fucking wrong I am about it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it literally quotes you. It has a quote. It has the database is hot lava. My quotes and I have a quote in an O'Reilly book he, that Harry wrote. He was literally waiting the entire talk. Like just you know, he was just I could see him. Waiting. He sat on the front row and just like and just like stared holes into my face the whole time Man. I was giving my first conversation. That's he's amazing. a good dude, by the way. I really I, no, I love amazing. Harry. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. He he's he used to be someone I'd run into at conferences, but he lives in the UK. So if, if awesome. we can also just have a moment of silence for Chrissy and I's failed PyCon proposals. Um, yeah. We both got our rejection letters. Uh, Did you apply to Alan? Okay, though. Alan, can I, you, uh, yeah, I'm going to. Uh, can I'm you play to. taps for us? Yeah. Too much little attitude. It was better this morning. That happened like, earlier today, and I said we were going to find a way was, to work. Yeah, into the I podcast. nailed it. <laughs> so, so we kind of follow the philosophy that uh, if it's a unit test, it shouldn't leave. The, the API or the, the code base at all, like no external calls. Yeah. Um, and if you, you know, so we'll have like 95% unit tests and like 5% integration tests right. that make external calls. So that typically keeps it pretty fast. Yep. Um, and then, you know, on save or whatever, we're running the unit tests, uh, the, just the unit tests. Um, and then CI or CD will run the integration tests yep. as well as the unit tests. Um, but we also have, uh, every commit that you make, we're running uh, unit tests before you can push it up. Uh, the linter, which has static analysis for security stuff in it, um, and so that that's kind of. But it's so fast in JavaScript. Like, come over to the dark side, guys. Mm. No, no, I'm good. Takes, yeah. t- I think t- that's t- takes, takes like sixty seconds. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm so just I've giving got, them shit. Yeah, I've got a test suite in Ruby that's got three hundred and. Forty some odd tests and it runs in eight seconds. Yeah, so. yeah, right. I mean, that's that's. Uh, I don't remember what we got to with that particular test suite, but it was it was like five hundred tests, and uh, I th- we got it sub like minute. Yeah, no, when it was good. all said and done, because but, like we just we got rid of all this database stuff, and um, uh, Python has a great tool called Mock, which used to be an external library that's now in the standard library in mm-hmm. Python three in unit which, tests. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's awesome if you've ever if you're a Python developer if you've if you've ever not used mock, it's like it's kind of a it's kind of a brain fuck to get your head mm-hmm. around how it works and how it patches modules and stuff. But basically mm-hmm. you can it allows you to at runtime like monkey patch oh, yeah. external modules and put an object there and yep. these these mock objects basically you, they're configurable yep. and you can measure how they've been used. That's uh there's one in node called proxy choir. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ruby's and, had, oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Say, Ruby's had that stuff for a while too and you've got um, all kind of like RSpec is a great testing suite. Yeah, VCR for VCR is cool. Things. There's mm-hmm. a direct port of VCR for uh, Python. Oh, I just yeah, got really right. excited. Yeah, I we did used not know that cassettes. Was a thing. Uh, cassettes are what they call that's when you store it. Yeah, I think right. it's called. I think go. it's called VCR Pi. Yeah, I'll look it up. I'll put it in the show notes. Cassettes yeah. are just YAML. Okay, so that's yeah, pretty yeah. cool because it takes your entire web request and breaks it down into YAML. I don't know why they chose YAML instead of like. JSON. Why does everything choose YAML? YAML. Everything Why does anyone YAML? choose YAML? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Some Thank people. You. Some well, people. Something we can. I love it. We I just bring it together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful moment. Yeah, let's rub, let's rub beards. Uh, yeah. It's, okay. It, yeah. It feels like the creation of man between uh, you guys. Just the yeah. finger touching between Python. <laughs> there it is. I, I just became is. highly aware that I'm the only person with facial hair that. Without any facial hair, to but do you like YAML? I uh, know. Well, that's okay. Can you guys then. reproduce the finger tap so I can get a photo of it? <laughs> for, just for that's, the. I wish my beer wasn't empty, so we could we could drink <laughs> too. I'm going to put that on the Facebook page, which is why I crapped Chris, crapped Chris out of it. Just kidding, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> but really, you weren't in it. But I'll I'll, I'll no get escape, man. I'll take a picture with you. But like, is it not, okay? Not if pictured I, here, Chris. Yeah, yeah. But we could blur your face, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> We'll put a Guy Fox mask on you. It'll oh, be fine. That's good. Let's yeah. face swap Tyrell onto it, and we'll use it. We'll use it to confuse the fuck out of the facial detection neural networks. We'll set them back nanoseconds by <laughs> by swapping your faces. Uh, but yeah, VCR is is pretty sweet. It like yeah. makes a web request and it records and serializes the response, and then your code, it like uh, at least on the on the Python version. It also monkey patches like the request library okay, yeah. and HTTP lib. And so your code, you don't change anything in your code. Your code thinks it's talking to an external service. Mm-hmm. Yep. What it gets is this, like, you know, essentially pickled uh, uh, response. Yeah, that no, that's super cool. I, I assume there's something like that for JavaScript. There has to be. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's neat stuff. I, and, and like the benefits of fast tests were definitely there. Oh but man. The only problem is that when you start doing stuff like that, and then you do a bunch of stuff with mock, you can really get your test suite. And this was like Harry's main complaint with my, with my methodology was like, your test suite is going to end up so tightly coupled to the implementation. Oh yeah. You're not actually testing logic at that point. You're just testing that no one has changed the code. Even if the outcome is the same, if the function still returns the same outcome because you've mocked and said like, mm. when this function gets called, this other function should be called with this arguments. Like it's, right. you can write a test for the return value, but you also might have a test that like you're kind of well, testing you have to the scope contract the test to the, to the section of code you're looking at. It's I've true. actually hit a test suite before where the, uh, the, the tests were so heavily mocked uh, that it was passing because the mocks were representing what they wanted to pass. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> they would have these uh, um, the, the responders in the mocks that would would do exactly what they wanted. And so yeah. if you go and break the code, you could go put throw in the code. Right. And it would just still pass because yeah. it's mocked into oblivion. Essentially, what you end up with in a much more complicated and hard to read way is like assert one equals one. Yeah. Because you're asserting that something you told it what it was mm-hmm. is what you told it what it was, and so yeah, you can That's, you can yeah. mock stuff to hell and back. That's uh, It'll be fast as hell though. Yeah. Oh, so fast. <laughs> it's like the MongoDB <laughs> of unit tests. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but I mean, I guess <laughs> he used MongoDB too, Blake. All, you, Dude, I, you sucked all life I out of Blake with that. Fucking love MongoDB. Oh, no. <laughs> for the love. Yeah, we bond and then we unbond. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. All, okay, we're gonna talk about all that goodwill has been ruined. <laughs> Yeah. We're gonna have words about that, y'all. Okay. Have you seen MongoDB's web scale? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I would hope so. Uh, yeah. Someone yeah. tried to steer you straight at some so, point or another. I, I do have. <laughs> I, I do have um, JavaScript. JavaScript or it, I mean, obviously, it's JavaScript. But say front-end related security questions um, because, mm. and some of this will seem obvious, but. Maybe this is for people who are just really starting to get into complex front ends that have all kind of stuff going on. Like, how, uh, where do you clearly define like keeping business, like business logic out of the front end so that things can't be manipulated by going in and mm. changing variables in JavaScript to get access to things to exploit the back end? You don't. Yeah. It's 2019. You don't. Yeah. If someone, <laughs> wants, it, if someone wants it, they're going to get it. Like, yeah, but, yeah. I, I know, but that's. I, uh, like is admin true? Uh, Everything's like, moved into the front end, right? But how do you prevent someone from from setting those things? So we we okay. So we, what we actually do is our goal is the front end should be as dumb as possible mm-hmm. with the least amount of business logic that you can reasonably put there. Um, and we do we try and put everything on the server. So the server's still authorizing, like if you access data from the I server. Know, right? This is a golf clap. Right. This is I, a golf clap for what yeah. you just said. I agree because yeah. a lot of people don't, a lot of That's people right. that are like front end heavy, JavaScript stuff don't believe that. We'll just, we'll just hide it if it's, if we'll hide yeah. it based on role. Yeah, but because yeah. yeah. people are exploiting you, like, you, you literally can't fucking do that. Though. Right. Like, well, it doesn't work. Uh, I mean, it works. <laughs> yeah. It's just not that hidden. You can yeah. abuse hidden fields. But, but go, but go, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can see anything in in the console. Like, right. if it's, well, if it's yeah, JavaScript, well, like, yeah. the console gives you access to to most things like, in the running you, app. If you want your web service to not expose data, step one: don't send it to the browser. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, it's easy for that to happen. I mean, we had trouble um, when we first one of our first one of the first spas that I worked on single page applications. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what framework it is. It doesn't matter. Point is that we would serialize the user's profile, mm-hmm. and we'd send that. So when Ember, when, it was it was probably was Ember, I oh, guess. Oh, Ember, yes. We'd, we'd yeah. send up the user's profile um, when they were authenticated, and mm-hmm. we'd store that in session storage. Mm-hmm. Um, or local local, local, local storage. storage yeah. yeah. And so um, one of the problems were like. Once we did that, that had some properties on it, like what type of user is this? Right, mm-hmm. and it didn't. It didn't give them any data, but it gave things like is admin, right? Right, and what is that's a big one. So what mm-hmm. what is admin would do though? A flag like that would basically it might make some navigation show up, mm-hmm. but if you tried to navigate to that and access some admin only data, the API would authorize it. It would break the application. So mm-hmm. and that's what you get for fucking around on the console, right? The problem was, um, like user, what's the, I don't know the term for it, like governance almost. 
problem was we'd store it in, in like authorization. We, it was authorization, but the problem was like if if we revoked it from the back end, like basically, oh, we, right. ha- it, we it hadn't still... considered that we had to go invalidate their sessions right. and log them right. out on the front end. So right. the front end would get in a broken state. We yeah. were able to fix it, but right. it was it was something non obvious. Right. And and like in that particular case, it caused people to see buttons that when they clicked on, nothing happened. Or the app crashed, or something like that. But I can see that exact same same set of circumstances leading to a security vulnerability. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. If if for whatever reason you know there's data coming there that that they can find. Yeah, local storage is really tricky because you have to be very careful with what you put there. Um, in that scenario, like for a modern web app, that you do have, like I feel like you do have to put some things there if you want it to be performant. Um, so we do use it, but in the instant, in that case, we would only store some of the fields, and then we would always fetch other fields. So it's like kind of like a deferred field or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah, lazy loaded. Yep. Yeah. So that's a way to do it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, no doubt that people are working on solutions for that, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with I was Chris. Just being like, cynical. no, <laughs> but you're not wrong. Like, no, you're well, not. most of the applications that I've that I've been contracted to to work over have been web applications, right? Have been situations like, why are you keeping these tokens here and that sort of thing? You know, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of a good example without exposing people, but you know, putting things into the front end that don't don't need to be in the front end. I'll, I'll give you a really great example. By default, this is some bad fucking uh, default configuration for Django REST framework. The easiest, most straightforward way to set up authentication for your API is their built-in token-based auth, which is just a simple token. Basically, if you have the magic sp- string, you're a super user. Mm. Um, and the default kind of easiest way to use it is to pass that API key as a query string parameter to the API. Sweet. Which means that anyone can just, for, for, for someone to naively build a Django REST framework API and let a front end consume it, anyone can open up the network monitor on someone's computer and just like hijack their token. It's just plainly right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that's a really good example of who knows how many apps are out there like yeah, that because it was like the that. default, right? And I get like getting people to developing quickly and a lower barrier to, barrier to entry, but like <clears throat> the the downside there is um, you've got a lot of people that don't know any better that are releasing apps like. Well, that. that's another big point. Change just, the just magic token. I mean, just Always, change all yeah, the defaults. Right? Yep. I mean, think about all the IP cameras that you can like Google dork for, right? Yeah, uh, all these. Publicly visible uh, IP cameras. We can do the same thing for WordPress. What annoys so. me? Yeah, this is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna yeah. bitch about Django more and get your shit together. Framework of choice, but like <laughs> they have a security flag when you run manage.py. Right. There's a check command, and you can you can give it a production security flag, and it it'll throw a bunch of warnings at you for some security related settings. Thing is that like it'll also without doing that, um, people don't know that it's there. No one runs that command. It's not in people's build process. You have to pass an additional flag to it to do the security checks. Otherwise, it just checks like your model schemas. Yeah, um, should be default, and you turn it off. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, like it'll it'll gripe at you all day, every day, whether you ask it to or not, about like using a date time naive uh, deprecation. Uh, yeah, like a time zone naive date time field. Uh, like it just spews warnings out. Well, if you're gonna do that, why don't you spew URL the URL namespace thing? Yeah, yeah, you didn't name the URL namespace. Like just these little things that are like not that important. And if we're willing to spew that out every time a Django app starts, then why isn't the security Those sorts warnings of by are default really important for sure? And, yeah. and and as an aside, I would say whatever you're languages that you write with turn on the equivalent of use strict and use warn you know that's yeah. that's an old pearlism but still uh, if your language has a strict or it has a warn turn that shit on and pay attention to mm-hmm. what it's telling you very important which is like so opposite to every PHP tutorial I ever read when I started, which was like, go into your php.ini and ignore errors, and then prefix every line with the at symbol which silences errors and lets the code Sweet. continue nice, oh my god it's it's in the language. There's a it, it's like a try except pass. That's they they condense that to one character, so you could use it all fucking day every nice. day. <laughs> this is this is uh, how we get the guy from Laravel on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> come on up, Laravel guy. You're just down the road. 
Defend yourself. <laughs> you, you have Defend been challenged. You've been challenged to a duel. <laughs> uh, he's never coming. No. Does uh, will will Pip warn you, warn you if? Uh, one of the dependencies you're trying to install has a security risk. I don't think it does anything no, against so. a CVE database or anything like that, which is too bad. But you can sure. do that with CI, like you can. Mm. You can okay. Stuff. Yeah. It's, okay. I mean, it's but but it's, to to your point, Blake, but it's yeah, not a default. Like, right. It's, exactly. Okay. That's like yeah. yeah. I say like I yeah. say you can do that with CI as yeah. if like you oh well, instantly everybody's it, yeah. got CI that's going to do right. that. Right. And, and yeah. like it's just right. one of those things that's like um, I mean you can you can obviously do it the secure way by doing the right steps after the fact. It just doesn't mm-hmm. do it by default. Right, you know. exactly. Um, Folks yeah. may not know what CVE is. Oh, yeah, I, I don't forget what it stands for. Common vulnerabilities and exposures. Ah, okay. So, yeah, that's another thing. Check your language, not just your, not just your web server, not just your database, not just your operating system. Check your language for vulnerabilities uh, via the CVE databases. Yep. National Institute of Standards has it. Uh, the U.S. government has it. Just search for CVE. It's basically, I mean, it's, it's updated, it's, it's robust, comprehensive, it's a common data standard. So there are a lot of um, automation tools that will check the CVE database for you yep. as well in, in static analysis. I think Bandit will as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and Falco doesn't, but they have a corresponding product like it that does static analysis of images that checks the, the mm. base image and yep. everything mm. at the system level. That's cool. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, that, that gets updated so rapidly as things come out. It basically covers you for everything that's not a zero-day exploit. If it's known, it's in that database. Absolutely. You know, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool. It'll also scare the shit out of you because I guarantee if you're not doing it already and you go do some static analysis, you'll you will find, find some <laughs> you will find yeah, yeah, right. You have holes open. You that's, just don't think you do. That's kind of like looking at the access logs yep. on a publicly available mm-hmm. website and you see all the like script kitties and like, PHP all their stuff admin. Hitting, <laughs> yep, PHP yeah. my admin. <laughs> Like just hammering away, looking like it, for WordPress sites. Our mm. website gets a bunch of Oracle, some weird uh, like PeopleSoft exploit that someone's been trying to hit us with for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Should, I mean, there's a ton of that. You stuff, should right? email them and tell them we don't use PeopleSoft. <laughs> <laughs> I should. <laughs> Dear so and so at yachtmail.ru. Stop <laughs> wasting Please your stop time. Stop doing this. We we don't have PHP. It's all bots, Oracle. man. You I know, right? There's no one on the other end of that. Exactly. Yeah. You're Scripted. your existence that way. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, we got a live one. That's the worst. Yeah, right. Gosh, nothing, nothing. All nothing you're going to do is, you're just going to flip a bit doing that, man. Nothing kills me inside more than when I finally answer an unknown mm. phone uh, call. Oh, because I'm happened. expecting someone. I'm just like, someone might be calling me today. I'm just like, I don't want to answer it, but it might be that person. And I answer it, and it's just like, hello? And just silence. Just like, and then it clicks ah, on you. Ah, God, got, it. got you again. Ah, damn it. Yeah, I just guaranteed four more phone calls. I got today. one out of <laughs> Little Rock today that did uh, that to me, and now I can't trust those. Those are the Rock worst. Members. The ones that that's close that enough that I got. Uh, yeah. Was it your captain? Yeah. It was not my captain. <laughs> we talked about this last time. I forgot. My captain hasn't found me here. He hasn't found me. He hasn't found me in the four seven nine. He was strictly like locked to five hundred one. So uh, we briefly put our house up for sale. Uh, and then took it off the market. Okay. Um, for for reasons, but because uh, then because you found out you live in Fayetteville, and if you wait five more minutes, your house will triple in value. Yeah. Uh, but ever since then, and we had a realtor when we did it. Uh, but ever since then, I literally get a call from a realtor every day. Oh yeah. Hey, uh, I noticed you took your house off the market. Are you looking to sell? I was like, no, that's no, my fucking took it off I the market. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps you're not aware of how markets work. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Right. I'll, straight, so, so, I'll straight call some people out. Never use LendingTree.com. We bought our house. I did that. I signed um, up for it. I thought that I, I saw the stupid fucking commercial <laughs> with the little Jim Henson Muppet, and I thought, <laughs> this is harmless. And I, and I called the, I, I went to the website, and I filled out the form, and they're like, please be patient. We are spamming all of your information out <laughs> to anyone who wants it. And that was the end of the transaction. That whole web, with the commercial and everything, you think yeah. like big operation. That is one web page with one form on it, and you're done with them. And then, like mortgage companies out of Dallas and St. Louis, just for a, over a year, I think mm. I was just hammered like two or three a day. Man, yeah, never again. That's that's actually one thing you know, um, trading uh, convenience for privacy uh, on the Pixel. Now, um, maybe all Android phones. If someone unknown number is calling you, there's a button that says "Screen this call," and it'll answer it. 
and the Google Assistant will talk to the other person. Oh, shit. And be Amazing. like, this is a Google Assistant, blah, blah, blah. Can you please state your name and the purpose of the call? And uh, well, like so many people of the automated calls, they just hang up. It's a beautiful thing. But, but I used the, to only, the only problem with that is, does the Google Assistant register as we got a live one? Doesn't matter. Maybe. That's what I think, Maybe. right? This is like what I was talking about with Falco. I'm going to go back to this. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm, I, I, work for, I work for Sysdick now. But uh, one of the cool things, they have like a pre-configured version for Kubernetes. You can configure it when a rule gets stripped. Someone opens like a shell in a container with an attached terminal. It'll just fucking tell Kubernetes to nuke the pod, right? And so like in that scenario, Google Assistant trips off that number that, hey, uh, there's a live one here. Does it matter if you, the human being, never has to answer it and no one can ever achieve an exploit? Like hack my shit all day, fam. Uh, You're going to, every time you open a shell, that pod gets nuked. I'm not saying you shouldn't fix the error at that point, but like if you eliminate the ability to capture a payload even after a breach has happened, um, that's that's pretty slick defense, right? That's it, where making it a, too big of a pain in the I was about to say, that goes yeah. back to what you they, said. They always have to walk... Who, who, someone brought it up when I was talking about this, the trap door, like just yep. right through. Yeah, the, yeah. Every time you walk Tyrell through, you just that. keep falling through the trap yeah. door. Is it worth it? Yeah. I say, I say, let the spammers talk to Google Assistant for hours and hours. Mm. Google's funding it. I don't know what fucking research they're doing. Well, then it's but. just computers talking to computers. Yeah. Oh. And then, and then how, we're training Skynet. That's how you get a Skynet. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you guys see when the, uh, I think it was right around the time that the Google Home came out. Yeah. The, there was a stream on Twitch where they put two Google Homes right next to each mm. other. And let them talk to each other. let them talk to each other. It was like incredible. They got married. They got divorced. They they like they were, each one had multiple personalities that what? would like talk to each other. Dude, it was a, it's probably still out there. It's I've insane. heard of That's this, intense. but I have not heard any details about it. I just know that it's happened. I had no idea it got that to, in depth. It was epic. crazy. I have to look that up because so I've I've got a weird story. I've tried to reproduce it. So like, um, you know, I'm kind of new to Mac, and so when when I first got this machine, I'm I'm playing with Siri. And Alyssa just got uh, a Pixel, and so she's playing with Google and like, "Hey, Google, tell me a joke. Tell me a yo mama joke." And like, and it tells the joke. And I happened to I activated Siri just in time, so then uh, Google tells the joke, and Siri's like, "What'd you say about my mama?" <laughs> oh, <that's> amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, "Oh no, it's Skynet. It's happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's the singularity. Yeah, the singularity is a yo mama joke. <laughs> One errant yo mama joke, and uh, and that was it." <laughs> <laughs> Hobbs, how do you feel about the singularity? About the singularity, I have no idea. I don't. Come uh, on, man. I think indulge to, me. Uh, you walked out for one. You walked out for one second, Tyrell. Yeah. I mean, speaking as a programmer, technology was a mistake. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to be a cobbler. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Well, I mean, I well, then define technology. You know, I guess we fucked up when we uh, harnessed we, fire. Right? Humans were never <laughs> meant to have electricity or live beyond thirty years of age. You're right. We're still just prairie monkeys. We're <laughs> <Yeah>. never <laughs> you know, meant to leave the homeland. Things in our homes are concerned. I, I just don't use them uh, but i understand that you know the phones are also these things in our homes and they right. follow us around so that's why i say there's not not any way to get away from it um uh i think it's only going to get smarter uh by whatever definition of smart that is and um i don't know i think i've just conceded defeat and <laughs> and i opt out i'm just optimistic that one day i can go there. computer oh great tea hot I do appreciate that so many devices have microphones and cameras in them, though, because I've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, putting malware on phones, putting malware on computers. <laughs> Creeping on people. Got it. So that I can. <laughs> Got it. Clients, clients, not people. These people pay him to creep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I can sit and get the right malware on Susie, the secretary's uh, computer. Uh, that was insensitive. Maybe it's Steve, the secretary. Uh, I appreciate you being fair and balanced. Yeah, and uh, or Cyclopses as well. We forgot about that mm-hmm. one. But uh, at any rate, see if they're there. Listen, see if anybody's hanging out, and then if they're not, then go in. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. we we've made it a lot more convenient for us to spy on ourselves. Yeah, uh, and you know, I'm not I'm not concerned. You, you, that goes back to threat model or what we didn't talk about that here, but that's a big point for me. You know, people complain about the layers of tinfoil on my hat. 
Uh, and it, <laughs> but they don't make tinfoil anymore. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't it's all, think that's it's all aluminum. True. At any yeah. rate, the, uh, it's all about establishing a threat model. If you're worried about the state, uh, you're probably already in trouble because they have way more money and resources than you do. But I think you can minimize your exposure to marketing. You can minimize your exposure to people creeping simply by, you know, not having such pervasive technology. Mm-hmm. Right. So we went from singularity to tinfoil, but still. Oh, that's okay. Like, uh, I think people welcome these things a little too much. And going back to defaults, um, you know, if you put your IP Internet of Shit camera system in your office and you don't change any of the defaults, Yep. Guess who shows up to see what's going on in the building, right? Yeah. So Internet of shit. I dig it. That yeah. is mm. that is a good one. Uh yeah, I I um the the IP cameras are scary for me. Mm-hmm. I, I do, you guys, do you guys have one just out of curiosity? Uh do for, we have for Henry, one? like do I'm you have a... about No, he's got he's got a video monitor mm-hmm. and I regret that, but it's all more or less closed. It's it's all over like RF. Mm. It's kind of a low tech one, yeah, something like that. I'm, it's probably not at all secured. Uh, I would have to guess because it's it's really a piece of shit. So I can't imagine someone Grab was software like where to find radio and figure it out. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and uh, we have that. I thought about getting an IP one, um, but I'm yeah, I haven't pulled the trigger on it because of that. It's it goes back to that exact same trade off, right? The security versus convenience. Yep. Well, um, and, and that's where <clears throat> this will sound bad. But if there's enough low-hanging fruit, people aren't going to reach for the higher fruit. Right. So, mm-hmm. like, I had one of those Foscam IP cams when my kids were, were younger. Foscam were the ones that, like, everybody exploited and were just, like, ta- like whispering things like, I am Satan, to children in cribs because mm-hmm. they just hacked all these Foscam IP cameras everywhere. All you had to do was change some basic stuff. Yeah. Because everyone knew there was an infinite amount of low-hanging fruit on those cameras. Right. right? And so you're safe. Yeah. And so they like that's where the exploits were focused. If you can keep script kitties out of your stuff mm-hmm. and script kitties are going to shoot for low hanging fruit, you've already avoided 80% of like your your attack vector. Like you've shrunk mm-hmm. it. Like you're not going to get hit as much. Like if you've got somebody who wants to get into your camera, that's a different story. But somebody just out there firing default stuff at, at people, like it's the same thing with WordPress. Like just mm-hmm. change some basic stuff change your directory structure to be like norm like secure at all and you'll be fine or you you won't be you won't be locked tight it won't be the low hanging but fruit. you're not going to be the low hanging fruit anymore i i like to think sometimes that um privacy or our this generation's willingness to forfeit their privacy is probably more apt um is kind of is kind of this generation's tv dinner and what i mean by that is um, I because I because I'm because I'm a millennial and I so I get to lament against uh you know my my boomer parents. These are our people, yeah. And and like the um, like I'm I'm very much against the disposable world. Like you guys know, this is kind of part of my my worldview. I'm very anti-plastic and uh, and pages as well. And we're just very focused on buying things for life and not waste. And and like the 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 generation that that birthed us um discovered like you know super convenience for them was like frozen meals and things are disposable you buy a thing you throw it out you go get a new thing when it doesn't work anymore super convenient it, and like we're we're turning it back around our generation's turning around and like we're we're building stuff for life we've got we've got people that are makers again and craftsmen and people that are like learning to blacksmith cuz i don't want to fucking go to the store and buy a knife i want to make one right and that's what gives me hope is I hope that like, you know, my kids and other kids turn their back on this and go, Jesus, fuck dad. Why'd you put all these cameras in the house? Didn't you want any privacy? Like, and then they have their own quirk, their own convenience, but maybe someone rebels against it and fixes it for us. Later. I think, I think it'll all get fixed in world war three because, <laughs> because to defend the boomers, like that's what happened. World war two happened. 
they had the to ration everything and so then the booming 50s happen and yeah. it's all like well let's make all the things out of plastic like Every, yeah. look at this we don't have to ration anything anymore we had all these factories yeah. we can mass produce the shit out of shit let's stop constantly. making bullets now and, yeah. and start making washing machines or and something babies. you know and yeah. babies of course yeah cuz you got home and you're happy you know and then you made it back I just happy to be alive man yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah hold me i'll say that we need to get the war over with soon then so skynet doesn't get involved i was going to say you said it ends with world war 3 and i'm like well that's what terminator oh, I didn't told it ends. Yeah. I mean, that's just the next cycle, right? right? Yeah, that's, you know. My hope is that technology turns toward you know, you know we're in this trend of collect everything and sort it out later. My hope is that the the trend goes toward um, protecting that data and not necessarily protecting but sanitizing that data. I mean, talk about my kid whose face is all over Instagram now, right? Um, I, I went into so one day I loaded up uh, the school's Instagram page. And it wasn't quite loading quickly enough. And I got, instead of the pictures, I got word tags that said face, Ooh. tree, stream, mm. bicycle, that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. So it's already out there. It's yeah. happened. My hope is that, uh, like, if I could speak pleasantly about Malwarebytes, my employer for the moment, that uh, they sanitize user data, like, aggressively. When we get information from users' machines, they strip out names, geolocation, IP addresses, all that. I'm hoping that, that the technology turns from just mass collection to intelligent collection mm. and, and thinks a little bit about correlating the data points between uh, different sets of data because, you know, the one company may sanitize that stuff, but if I can uh, draw... Um, draw connections between a couple of data sets, I can learn a whole lot about you. And a, right. lot, a lot of the work I do yeah. is spent gathering data from various places, gathering data from Facebook, gathering data from Instagram, gathering data from wherever about targets and figuring out where they were at a specific time, what they do on a daily basis, um, you know, what their favorite coffee is or whatever right. uh, through that correlation. So I'm hoping that one day it'll go back to, or maybe not back to, but go toward intelligence. I think part of the problem is that like we, we just, it's the new toy, right? And we just mm -hmm. figured out like, oh shit, we can collect so much data. Mm -hmm. And oh shit, people are willing to give it to us. And we don't know what we're going to do with it just yet, so we better just grab it all. And right? oh shit, we can sell that to people. And I was going to say, it's a gold rush. But, but right? I mean, part right. of it, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to some people who are collecting your data and collecting massive amounts of it that like maybe their intention isn't necessarily negative when they collect it. It's just like this new fire hose that it's like, we'll start capturing it and we'll sort out to do with it later. Like so many people come to us as a company because they have a data warehouse full of data and they're like, we've been, we've got all these bags full of data. We're running out of bags. We don't know what to do with it. Can you help us make some insight out of it? And part of that leads people to just going ahead and capturing everything they can possibly capture through every mechanism they can. And then it's sitting there just waiting for someone with bad intent to notice yep. like, Hey, what's that in the data bag room? Oh shit, we can sell that. Yeah. That's people's personal information. It's very lucrative. But, but the other, <laughs> okay. the was, other side it of was, it was people's it was actually us. Al Gore. That yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> There's personal information in here. Uh, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. I was just saying people's willingness is the other warmer. half of it. You know, you. Uh, people are way too too. There's no there's no thought that even goes on. It's like I just got and it's the cliche example. I just got this burrito the size of a baby. I'm going to take a picture of it and share it with everybody. Well, right. that can be used against you very easily as well, and not just in data collection. But you got to be smart about what you post. The example yeah. I always use for that is uh, one of my clients. The CEO liked him some baseball. Uh, usually was not in his office when he was watching some baseball. Usually posting pictures of some baseball while he's watching it. I knew for a good four-hour period where he was. And yeah. He weren't in his office, but yeah. I were. And so you just got to be <laughs> careful about this stuff. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, common totally. sense. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So, and it's not, so it's not it's, just the marketing. It's, it, it's everybody. Don't post your vacation pictures while you're on vacation. While you're on right. Vacation. Exactly. On vacation. Wait till you get home and oh, sort through them. That was yeah. the thing I, that, that people first thought. Well, that was a thing for a minute, and then everyone yeah. stopped. And then everyone said, like, that. but Instagram says Insta in the title. I'm, it has to be right now. I'm going. I'm it's going, got a camera right in the app. I mean, yeah. I have a vacation. And then Snapchat. That's impulse. all you can do. Yep. I have a vacation coming up, and uh, I'm, I'm going to a place that I go to frequently. And uh, 
every time I'm there in Michigan. Please tell me where you will be and when you will be there. I'm not going to tell you when. No, I'm going to Cayman. I'm going to Cayman. We talked about the last thing. Okay. I'm going to visit. Uh, we're going to do a live remote. I'm going to visit my friend Tosh down there. He's a Python dev uh, for... Uh, uh, and there's no IP cameras in here? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's not just, an IP camera. Just, just, just a, a webcam. One. That one's yeah. broken. If you can get it to work and steal stuff from me, let me know because I can't get it to work on a conference call. But uh, <laughs> every time I go, the beach down there uh, in Grand Cayman is just lined with um, hashtags. People like... Wait, what? It's a thing. It's always like hashtag so-and-so came in 2019. Wow. They'll, they'll draw it in the sand and then Instagram that picture to like show off their hashtag. Everything. So the thing is like, yeah, we stopped giving a shit about <laughs> don't no post kidding. your vacation pictures on Instagram. It's like post them and also hashtag them so that we can find them all. And <laughs> like, this so happened... Easy. I forgot until this moment. This happened. Our last day in Cayman last year. Uh, we were sitting at uh, a beachside restaurant at the Marriott, uh, Seven Mile Beach, and someone I had no idea, a British lady, she walks up, she walks by me, Paige, and Henry, and she just leans to the table and says, we saw your Instagram, and then walked away. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, shit. I just had, I That's just an episode had, of Black Mirror. Yeah, what are you doing? I just had this moment where I was like, oh, shit. Like, I knew it was public, but I also thought only people were looking at it. But the, the idea was people were looking at photos near them, and they saw this family of three, and they're like, that's the people that had that. We had a, we had a vacation hashtag. That's part of the problem. Made it really easy to see all the pictures from that <laughs> vacation. Did you draw it in the sand? We didn't draw it in the sand. Dang. That's That was the line in the sand. That would me out, man. Yeah, you did it, it with did. shells. It did. <laughs> they're, they're, look that shit up. It's like, that's to, you got the motif. Yeah. You, you've got it down. Uh, but yeah, so she said, we saw you on Instagram, and, and then just walked away. And I was just like, oh, that's, we just like both were like, oh, I'm going to go take a bath now. Mm-hmm. It was our last day. So we we're like, I'm ready to go home. This is weird. <laughs> but that totally happened. So it, yeah, that was the first confirmed like rando was like, been creeping your Instagram, have a nice dinner, and then walked away. Well, an Instagram is creeping it too. That's true. Mm. Doing all of the image recognition. So right. I'm sure that it's probably to the point now where, uh, the machines at Instagram can probably look at a, enough of a sampling of photos and tell you where they were taken without EXIF data, um, just based on horizon. Be- because they because like they that. scored it with stuff that had EXIF data because right. they had the latitude and longitude, mm-hmm. and so that's that was the training set, and right. now they can predict very accurately. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, man, it's been a it's been a good time as always. It's fun to have both you guys on. It was fun to have you guys together. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming and talking security with us and. Everyone having a tinfoil hat workshop where we all work on our own. Yeah, it was but good. Yeah. I like we all have different layers, but I feel like we all have at least one layer of aluminum foil, <laughs> aluminum foil on our heads. Totally. Yeah. Get that velo it, It's not a contest. Yeah. Man. It's not a contest. Well, thanks for coming. We'll see you guys in a week. Yep. See you. Thanks for listening to Friday Afternoon Deploy, recorded and produced by the team at Lofty Labs. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to future episodes via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also follow at Friday Deploy on Facebook and Twitter for episode previews, live streams, and other behind-the-scenes peaks. Past episodes and show notes on this episode can be found at friday.hirelofty.com. That's friday.h-i-r-e-l-o-f-t-y.com. If you'd like to contact the show, or if you're local to the Northwest Arkansas area and would like to be a guest on the show, you can email us at podcast at higherlofty.com.